Amen. Would you take your Bible, please, and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. Hebrews, chapter 11, we're going to begin in verse 32 through 40 this morning. Let me just remind us all that tonight we're going to be having a movie night. We'll be in the gym at 6 o'clock. We're going to see a great movie that I know will be an inspiration to all of us. So you want to come out, bring your kids, bring folks with you. We'll have some light snacks, bring your favorite snack or something. We'll have popcorn, Cokes, and water and things of that nature. But it's just going to be a good time. We'll enjoy it tonight. That'll be at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. We've been looking at this uh, subject for the last couple of weeks. We'll probably be there another week or so. We're talking about the prophets. We're looking at today the prophets part two. And we're actually looking at uh, scripture, how we came about receiving the word of God that we have. And God has blessed us with his word, hasn't he? And we have a great, great opportunity as Christians to read the word of God, to study the word of God, to know the word of God. In fact, the Bible says that holy men of God spake, they spoke, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And we understand that this Bible, this scripture we have, comes from the prophets who began writing back in, uh, back in the old days and how God used them in a great way. One of the things that we'll discover this morning in this sermon is the unity that we find in the Scripture. The unity in the Old Testament with the New Testament. How that the Bible is unified in its message. We'll also see another thing. How that the people of the Old Testament, the prophets especially, were true to their faith. One of the things that I want you to think about this morning is the last time you heard one of the... Uh, uh, easy listening preachers preach that made you feel good all over and they were telling you how wonderful life is for generations when you serve Jesus and follow Him that your life is easy, everything's going to work out good and fine. I want you as we look at this passage of Scripture today to ask yourself this question, did these guys ever read the Bible? Did they ever read the New Testament? Are they very familiar with the lives of the people of Scripture that literally gave their life for Jesus' sake so that we could have the Word of God, so that we could be Christians and saved today? I always take that easy listening preaching and I put it into that category like, there, like that, that feel-good kind of preaching. We're going to see something different, very different in the passage we're looking at today. I was actually going to begin there in Hebrews by going back uh, to verse 13. If you're reading through this 11th chapter, the heroes of faith, it's when you come to verse 13 that the chapter sort of changes directions. And it talks about the rest of the people in chapter 11 that is going to be written about these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off, 
were assured of them, embracing them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Now what we're going to look at today is a very powerful and a unique passage of Scripture. In fact, this is the only place I think in the New Testament we see a passage of Scripture like this that goes back and enumerates all of the heartache and the problems that happened to all of the people of faith. But we see it in this passage and it says about these people and their struggles. They, they could see the promise of God out there afar off, but they couldn't get to it. It was like a mirage in the desert. You know it's there, but you can't get to it. And they could see the promise of God way off in the distance and they were telling us about it, but they could not get there and lay hold upon it themselves. And we're going to see how this unfolds in this passage. I want to jump down now, and if you will look with me at verse 32, we're actually going to get down in the middle of this and start. And what more shall I say, the Bible writer is saying, for the time will fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, although David and of David and Samuel, the prophets... Now what caught my eye about this scripture is that last statement. David and Samuel, the beginning of the prophets. And so we are looking at how that scripture came to us through God speaking to the prophets and them speaking out the word of God. And then their teaching, their speaking for God at some point in time was written down and recorded for us. But did you notice in that scripture passage, Samuel and David, the beginning and the prophets, and now God begins to speak forth His Word. If I were to tell you that if God were to call you to be a prophet, that would mean a couple of things, two or three. One thing that would mean is you're probably going to be isolated from your family or your friends and your loved ones. That's going to happen to you. A second thing that it would mean back in those days of the prophets that you're going to lose all of your friends. You're not going to have any friends. You're going to have to learn how to wing it and be a loner and make it by yourself because nobody's going to want to hang out with you because they're not going to like what you have to say. And that was the life of these prophets. When you read about these prophets, we looked at a couple of them last week, but go back to Jeremiah for a moment. When we looked at Jeremiah, Jeremiah, that prophet, it says, God said, I have called you from the very beginning. And he says this to Jeremiah, Before you were even born, I set you apart to be a prophet. For me. Now we better be careful when we want to just flippantly use that scripture because of our children today or because of our lives. We better get it in the context that it was given in. And God looked at him and said, Listen, 
I knew what kind of a life I was calling you to. I knew how difficult it was going to be. I knew you were going to be all by yourself and all alone. I knew you were going to wind up dying a, a violent death. And by the way, before you were ever born, I ordained you to be this prophet to speak for me. Context is extremely important and valuable when we come to understand Scripture. So what we're going to see today is we're going to read a roll call of a, of a group of people who could see the promise off in the distance, but they never could attain that promise. We're going to read about those people. And I want us to notice the way they suffered, the heartaches they had, the difficulties in life they had, all of the things that they endured, all the things that they weathered, and the whole time... They are revealing to us that their faith in God was relentless. They did not waver. Even though the promise was afar off and they couldn't get to it, they did not waver in their faith. Would to God that you and I could say that in our life. Would to God that we could say it does not matter what I go through, what I experience, what I deal with. I am not going to waver in my faith in God. I am going to be relentless as I depend upon Him. Now notice the scripture. Let's just look at it for a moment. Beginning in verse 33. I've written a lot of it out on the paper for you there. The outline so we can go through it pretty quickly. So I'm going to go by my outline here rather than looking here at the actual text. Okay, it says first of all that they subdued kingdoms. That's referring to the time of the judges. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. The promises they obtained was not the promise we're talking about there, but it was various promises in their lives. God will make you and I personal promises that He will fulfill in our lives. One of those that He's made to every one of us that are believers, He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's made that promise to us. God was faithful in keeping His promises to these people that were journeying with Him. It says in this scripture also that they stopped the mouth of lions. That's a reference to Daniel. The prophet Daniel who was thrown in the lion's den. It says they quenched the violence of fire. That's a reference to the three Hebrew children in Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown into that fire because of their faith, but it did not burn them. In fact, when they were delivered out of that fire by the miraculous power of God, they didn't even have the smell of smoke upon them. My friend, that's impossible. I burn brush. You can't hardly get that smell of smoke off of you for days, no matter how many baths you take. But it says the Hebrew children, when they came out of that fire, you couldn't even smell smoke on them. What a miraculous God they, that we have. It says also in this scripture that these people escape the edge of the sword that's referring to Elijah Elijah was chased all over the land during his day by that wicked king Jezebel but she could not catch him to kill him and to take his life 
Out of weakness they were made strong. That's a reference to Samson. How that he had sinned against God, but he repented. And he was standing between the pillars of the temple. He had lost his strength, but his hair began to grow back. And he prayed and God gave him strength again to take out many of those people, the Philistines. They turned to fight the enemies of their allies. That's David in his fight against the Philistines. It says in this scripture that the women received their dead sons raised to life again. <coughs> Excuse me there. This is found in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, 2 Kings chapter 4. It's the widow of Seraphat and the widow of of Shulamite, the Shulamite woman, the Shulamite widow. Both of these women had sons that died. But the prophets came and raised those sons to life again. Two separate situations by Elijah and Elisha. And so the scripture is saying these people who are searching and seeing this promise afar and are trying to get to this great promise God has made, they even saw their dead sons raised to life again. On in the scripture it says others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. That's probably a reference to old Eleazar, a 90-year-old man who refused to eat pork to please the king, knowing that by not denying his faith, it would cost him his life and he would be put to death. That's the way these folks were back in the Old Testament. They're not going to deny their faith. They're going to die for their faith. Notice it says also that others had trials of mockings and chains and imprisonment. They suffered greatly for their faith. The prophets had to endure all of these things. Then it says there were those that were stoned. That's most likely a reference to Jeremiah and Zechariah, two of the prophets that were stoned to death and put to death. Probably, probably in Egypt was where Jeremiah was finally stoned to death. Sawn in two taken and cut in half. That is a reference most likely to Isaiah. They took Isaiah, they had a hollowed out tree. They put him in the trunk of that tree and they sawed him in half because of his faith in Jesus Christ. These people wondered, they were destitute, they were afflicted, they were tormented. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens of the caves. They refused to blame God. They refused to say, God, why is this happening to me? God, why am I having to go through all of these things? They refused to recant God. They stayed true to their faith. That's why they're in chapter 11 of Hebrews. They were true to their faith. They extended their life. They were faithful to the Lord to the end. It says that they were in pursuit of this promise, this faith in a holy God, and nothing was going to deter them. 
My friend, don't you and I want that kind of faith in God in our day? Can you imagine we're living in the easiest day of history? Many people think it's the worst day of history. No, my friend, this is not the worst day of human history. We're living in the easiest time that a generations of people have ever lived. And still we find it's not easy enough for me. My friend, why don't you just suck it up and grab a hold of God and say, God, I'm thankful to be a Christian. I'm going to love and serve you. I'm going to honor you. I'm not going to deny my faith come hell or high water. I'm claiming the promises and I'm hanging on to you. And I'm going to let you bring me through and deliver me. Their relentless faith. Verses 32 to 38. Now the last two verses, I want you to look down at verse 39 for a moment. Look at that verse 39. It says about all of these people we've talked about. And all of these having obtained a good testimony through faith. Did not receive the promise. They didn't receive the promise. My friend, they, they knew that God had made this promise. But they died without ever receiving it. But they still hung on to the Lord. I want you to turn for a moment to the book of Acts chapter number 3. Just quickly. Acts chapter number 3. And I want you to notice something in this chapter for a moment. I want to show you how the, the beautiful unity in Scripture. How the Bible is unified. Here is the writer of Hebrews that we've been reading. No one knows who wrote that Hebrews. There, there's speculation. Some say Paul wrote it. Some say Apollos wrote Hebrews. We're not sure who wrote it. Nobody can really agree on who the author is of the book of Hebrews. But we do know that Luke wrote the book of Acts. But I want you to notice something that Luke is saying in Acts chapter Chapter number 3, I want to begin reading here in verse 18. I want you to see how this dovetails right into Hebrews 11 that we've just read. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets. Now think about that. Here are all of these prophets back there in the Old Testament. They're they're hoping for this promise but they can't get it yet they're, they're reaching for it but they can't get it yet but they're enduring all of these things and here's the promise that Christ would suffer he has thus fulfilled it repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Now right there's the promise. There is this promise that they could not receive. And could not re receive and take in that Old Testament time when the prophets were preaching. It was the promise that God sending Jesus into the world. They could see it. They could preach about it. They could write about it. Isaiah 53 wrote about it in chapter 53. He wrote about the coming Christ, but he couldn't receive 
Christ because Christ had not come. And this is what Acts is saying. All of these prophets, they're preaching. They're telling about the coming of Christ. But, but the promise hasn't come yet. They haven't received it. But even not having received the promise, they still have undying faith and relentless faith in Jesus Christ. In God who's going to send Jesus. Verse 21, whom heavens must until times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul which will hear the prophet shall be, uh, not hear the prophet, will be utterly destroyed among the people. 24, yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and thus to follow as many have spoken have foretold these days. I just find that a fascinating passage of scripture when you can see both of these coming together Samuel named as the prophet in both texts and how that Samuel prophesied and saw the day when Christ would come but he couldn't receive that promise because Jesus hadn't come yet they did not receive the promise notice that last verse in verse number 40 it says, and God having provided something better for us. I'm back in Hebrews 11, verse 40. But God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Right there, folk, is an unbelievable theological statement. I mean, this is a powerful theological statement. Here is a theological statement, a doctrinal statement, a statement out of the Word of God that you can literally anchor your life on. I want you to see it again. It says, God did not grant the promise to them because having provided something better for us, now just look around at those around you and if we did like some of these preachers do, I'd say just say us and they'd all say us. You know how you've heard them on television and stuff like that. Just look around at all those people sitting around you. This, this is us right here that, that he's talking about. The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, God did not let them receive the promise because of all of us. They weren't allowed to receive the promise because of all of us. Now let's investigate that just a moment here. Having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. I've given you the answer there at the bottom of your outline. By their delay, by them being delayed in receiving the promise. We've been given the opportunity to join this multitude of faith. There were only 500 believers after the resurrection. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. This is the summary of what we've just seen in Hebrews in this whole text that we've read. If Jesus had have saved all of his people who believed 
after his resurrection, here's who there would have been. All of those Old Testament people that were believing the promise, they could see the promise of Jesus coming and his resurrection. They could see it from afar, but they couldn't get it. And if Jesus Christ, after his death on the cross, after his resurrection... 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us in about verse 5 or 6 that there were 500 people at one time gathered together that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. Now let's say there were some others that weren't there that day. Let's say you could bump the number up to 600. Let's say that then at that moment in time, Jesus would have said, okay, I've come and suffered and died. I've given my life on the cross. All of the Old Testament saints that have gone through all of that suffering but never received the promise, you preached about it. Here I am. I've come. I've saved the world. I've been resurrected from the dead. Are you ready now to receive your eternal inheritance? The 600, the 500 that have seen my resurrection. Okay, Let's just all go to heaven right now and let's just be in heaven forever and ever. My friend, here's what that would have meant. There would have been no heaven for you, no heaven for me. No eternity for any of us. Because we wouldn't have even been born yet. There would have been the first century Christians. They would have been lost out. There would have been your grandparents, my mom and dad, my grandparents, your grandparents. They would have lost out. But because God is such a gracious God and he delayed his promise. He delayed the coming of Christ. And now he continues to delay the return of Christ to this earth. Look at how many more people, how many millions or billions of people have come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord who get to share in the eternal glory of heaven And knowing Christ through salvation. That's what this chapter of Hebrews is all about. Chapter 11. That's what is being talked about in verses 39 and 40. Because God wanted us too. To be a part of his kingdom. Now the big question is today as we bring this to a close. We just sort of look around in the room this morning and wonder. I wonder if there's anybody here today that's never been saved. I wonder if there's anyone here today that has never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior. In fact, we can extend it on a little little further from that. I wonder if there are any of your family members, any of my family members, who have never come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I wonder if there's any folks we go to school with any folks that we work with, any of our neighbors, anybody around that we know that has never come to know Jesus Christ as his Savior, as their Savior and Lord. My friends, as long as God delays, there's opportunity for others to be saved. We need to pray to that end. We need to witness to that end. That needs to be our motivating factor is those that need to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you'll do that this morning. I pray that you'll give your heart and life to Jesus Christ today. Would you do that 
and surrender your life to him. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and we thank you for your blessings, Lord, that you've given us, that you've laid upon us. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we have today to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. We're so thankful, Lord, that the promise that was not received yet by those saints that we've preached about, but yet they told us about the promise, the coming of Christ, and that Jesus has come. And Lord, we've received you, we've repented of our sin, and we've trusted you as our Savior. Father, we thank you for that. I pray that if there are those here today that have never trusted Christ, they would come at this invitation song and give their heart to you. If there are others, God, that you're dealing with about making decisions for you, that they'll respond to you this day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.